hey, uh, you know that this is it, and we resume again on January 14th. And Benetta has a phrase, when I leave the office on Friday, and it's interesting, and I say, see you Monday, and she always says, Lord willing. So January uh, 14th, Lord willing. And Lord willing, we're all here, Lord willing. We're looking at two guys who were major powerhouses in the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem. Major, major, major. And then we discovered that they were followers of Jesus Christ, but they were secret about it and didn't come out. They were secret about it. And it begins, if you have a Bible, or it'll be on the screen, in John 19, 38. After Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body down. When Pilate gave him permission, he came and took the body away. So what would he fear? We know from other things, there's two guys showing up. And both these guys are incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful. What would he fear? He was a secret follower because he feared the Jewish leadership. Any thoughts on what he would fear? So what? He was independently wealthy, and and the other one was incredibly wealthy. And then all of a sudden, and it's a weird thing, because they're going to come out now. They're going to go public now when Jesus didn't do what they were all hoping he would do, take it over, take it over. Something had to happen. They had to see something where we've got to go get the body before they do something more to it. And Nicodemus is going to say, and I have a very, very, very nice grave carved in the side of a rock, basically a, a, a cave. I'm giving it up. And I have to wonder if Jesus, when he was in that garden in the past, had seen it and knew it. We need to know when we know that, but secretly. And it goes on in Matthew 27, 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who was one of Jesus' followers, I mean, it picks up. It picks up. And in Luke 22, 50. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decisions and actions of other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he had been waiting for the kingdom of God to come. In Mark, we get a little more. In Mark 15, 42. This, is what, this all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached... An honored member of the high council, Joseph from Arimathea, who was waiting for the kingdom of God to come, gathered his courage and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. I I guess I'm going to ask again. Yeah, so I get expelled from the high council. I'm already somebody. But what would have changed? I mean, all the miracles, I would have come out. All the, all the miracles that happened, all the people healed as I'm standing watching. And now all of a sudden, it appears a failure took place. Even his disciples are hiding. Only the ladies show up. What, what do you think got him? Now, we know some things. We know what was going on in the city when he said it is finished. We talked about this last week. And people came out of their graves. I mean, that, I think, would do it for me. And they're walking around and say, oh, my goodness, there's John. People are walking around. 80-foot-tall temple, holy of holy drapes ripped from top to bottom. Um, Darkness fell at noon. Earthquakes take place. Maybe that's it. 
Uh, it would work for me. It didn't work for anybody else yet in the high council. It didn't even work for his own guys. They're hiding out. What I, I think we'll never get the answer to the what, but I think what's really important for us personally is we have to be afraid of the applause of men. We have to be afraid of the affirmation of men. So <clears throat> uh, uh, two parents came to me last week, devastated, and uh, I said, what's up? And, and they said, well, and they didn't know how to say it, and they're looking down the floor. Our daughter came out at school. And I said, so she announced she's what? They said, she announced she's gay. She's a lesbian. And she has become a celebrity at the school, an absolute celebrity. People are applauding her, congratulating her. Our culture doesn't want us to come out with the right things. Our culture wants us to back off from the right thing, be quiet about the right thing. Uh, there's a grocery store chain <clears throat> that um, in the past has been very good to Sheridan House. And when the founder was around, um, they didn't open on Sundays. And the minute the founder died, his sons started opening on Sundays. Why? It's profitable. It's a big grocery day. But they kind of lost the vision that their dad had, that Truett Cathy had, that Hobby Lobby has. Lost the vision. I think on your outline, number one, whose opinions hinder you from being all in with your faith in Christ? <clears throat> whose opinions? So the uh, young uh, waitress who uh, Rosemary's had a ministry with, and uh, she's going to church with Rosemary now, and uh, we're having, we've had lunch with her now, Rosemary more than me, and on and on and on. Her parents go to Willow Creek in Chicago and got panicked and flew into town on Wednesday and asked to meet with me and see what I do on Thursday. And I said to Benetta, what do you think this is all about? that they're flying all the way in from Chicago, and she said, I think they're afraid that their daughter's getting involved in a cult or something. And I get it. Now I got it. Once I saw that, and they are all in believers. So I spent an hour and a half with them and the daughter. Uh, daughter's probably 40. And uh, they wanted to see all of Sheridan House. And the mom is sitting there and, and just kind of in shock. And uh, why, why, would, why would you guys... And I said, you're talking to the wrong person. Rosemary's teaching her Bible study in the big room that I showed you. Talk to her. Rosemary, this is Rosemary. Rosemary went after her. Rosemary just saw a heart right there. And Rosemary comes out everywhere. Come out. This is what we believe. And they asked this, this young woman, uh, I asked at the table, what was the beginning? She said, oh, I know what the beginning was. The beginning was I met you a year and a half ago. And she said, it's just a month shy of a year and a half, and I'm kind of in shock. You were at the, you were at the table with another man. The other man was Charlie Alishire, my chairman of the board. And she said, you ordered, and uh, I'm always grateful you asked for me, but you ordered, and instead of anybody else delivering, I delivered the food, and you looked at me and said, Charlie and I are getting ready to pray. Is there anything we can pray for you? And she said, I was so taken aback that I said, no, I'm good. And then I said, Al, and then you came back, didn't you? She said, yeah, about five minutes later, I came back and said, would you pray for my daughter, my 12-year-old? She said, that was the beginning. And then that your wife kept talking to me and talking to me and that you guys were generous with your tips. And you, know, and you don't know, but several of us, because you eat out on the porch, would look at you praying when the meal arrived. And then 
you want rosemary, invited me to church, and I said, well, I work on Sundays. And then I went, she said, I went home, and I came back and asked the manager, can I have Sundays off? I knew this is what I was supposed to do. You don't have to have the right words. You just have to come out. And have I had some weird responses? Is there anything I can pray for you? I've had some really weird responses. But, ooh, this culture needs us to come out. You know, I, I, we would like to think that the president of the United States is going to change America. He can't change America. Only he can change America. And we have to be a part of that. Wherever you are, wherever you are. And we've got to be alert to the side of the road people in our lives. Because, I, you know, I've, I've been out to lunch with guys who, when the waitress asks, they don't even look at her. I'll have this, this, and this. And they don't even say thank you. And then pray. I don't want to pray with that guy. I don't want to see us praying. Oh, so those are Christians. No, we, we've got to be different out there. And our culture is screaming for kindness. For kindness. You know, when Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and then he said, love your neighbor as yourself, and then they asked him the question, remember, well, just who is my neighbor? They're, and they're trying to bait him. And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and it's, it's so interesting because there's this caravan going by, the religious leader and the uh, scribe see the guy on the side of the road, and then in the NLT it describes it as, and a despised Samaritan, because this is a Jewish man over here, and they, they were nasty to Samaritans, and he didn't care, and he went over, and he took care of him, put him on his own donkey, took him to a motel, checked in, said to the manager, put it on my tab, you know me, I go back and forth, and if I'm the manager, I want to say, you know, he's a Jew, right? You're a Samaritan, right? Do you know him? Why would you do this? I didn't do it for him, I did it for him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And this is, the second is like unto the first, it says in the NIV. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our witness out there, and it's interesting because they use two words. They use compassion and mercy. He felt compassion when he saw the guy. Compassion is a feeling. It's not an action yet. Mercy is an action you take. Mercy is something you do. Mercy is generosity. Mercy is a kind word. Mercy is can I help you. And in a culture today, I'm at Lowe's with uh, Reuben. Reuben is my oldest grandchild. He's 10 years old, and we're getting something. And I see an older lady, and older than me, which is unusual for me to see anything like that. I see an older lady wheeling a big box out in a cart from Lowe's, and I say to Reuben, let's go help her put it in the car. And it's hilarious. Reuben says, oh, let's do that, Pippi. Uh, they call me Pippi. Roby has told them it's not really Pippi. It's Pippi because uh, he's not a Christian. And, and so let's do that, Pippi. And we go over. And it was so sad because when we say, can we, can we put this in the back of your car for you? And she holds her purse. And it was just so, yes, yes. It's just, oh, my, whose opinions hinder you from being all in with your faith in Christ? And number two, these men had heard the truth. They might have, they might have even believed the truth, but they hadn't yet put their confidence in the truth. It's, it's, it's one thing to hear the truth. It's another thing to accept Christ and believe the truth. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing to be all in and act out the truth in my life. Who are you putting in my life today, Lord? 
Who are you put to have confidence in the truth? I can do this. I can give this. I can stretch me. I confidence in the truth. We were talking earlier about these guys have a single mom ministry over here at this table, and they go and they help single moms and repair things for single moms. And, and the funny thing was your statement, and, and they have my number now, and they, sometimes they call and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and I just have to go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the reality is they, they don't have anybody else to talk to. And what you're doing when you do that is you're helping them avoid talking to a man their age who can feed their babies if they'll do certain things. And then all of a sudden, what have I done? I'm pregnant again. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen that. And it's out of desperation because I need to feed my children. I need to feed my children. And I, I, never, I, I never saw this, hap- I, the need for this. Um, I, I think the greatest thing Sharon House has ever done is the triplexes. I'm watching the, the ladies in the triplexes thrive now and, and get, get independent now. And one's got her master's, finished her master's degree, and she's a therapist now. She's one whose husband had a heart attack and died in the shower with two little teeny boys. Do your part, and you've stayed pure. Do your part. Do your part. Do your part. It's a matter of confidence in God and doing it God's way. It's a matter of confidence in God. Thank you for getting me the PowerPoint printout so at least I know what I'm filling in the blanks with. Mark 15, 39 says this, when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, truly, this was the Son of God. Any thoughts on that? Saw how he died. What does that mean, saw how he died? He died quickly. He died so quickly that Pilate didn't believe it when they said he's dead already, and, and they, they knew they needed to get him off the crosses, uh, everybody off the crosses, because they're about to, to celebrate and have worship. They're about to enter into, this, into the uh, Sabbath. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He died gracefully. Wow. That's really smart for a lawyer. <clears throat> Loud so they can hear you. And Nicodemus. When, the, when his disciples weren't, you know, his disciples were in hiding. Yeah. Here was a powerful man who could have a front row seat, who could watch this whole thing, and he watched how he died. Oh. And he watched everything being fulfilled oh. while the disciples were afraid for their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same, this is good, the same with the Roman soldier as with him in the front row. And the word gracefully. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Are we kidding? Father, wipe them out. Father, forgive them. And you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow, that's a great word. And then, and then the Roman, he's watching him give up his own life. It is finished. The Passover lamb on Passover Eve, are we kidding? The hyssop, are we kidding? Yeah, and the other thing I think for me is there have been so many times in my life where I assumed I knew what God was doing. You remember that time when we lost the 27 acres, and I knew we had this 27 acres on the corner, basically, not totally, but on uh, I-75 west on Sheridan, where the, west on Sheridan where the academic village is today. Um, we had that. 
And, and broadcast schools bought it out from under us, and I could never figure out why. And I remember somebody saying to me, but I thought you needed a minimum of 40. And I remember saying to them, we're never going to get 40. What are we thinking? We're never going to get 40. And uh, so all of a sudden, this 57 plus, so we'll call it 60 acres, uh, is there. And Hornsby says, let's go make an offer. And I, I didn't realize a couple of things about this when we made the offer. And you know the rest of the story. We got it for a ridiculous amount of money. And, and churches and individuals all across South Florida each bought an acre. And then I'm, I meet on a Saturday uh, a guy, a DEA agent whose friend calls and says, I have a friend who's a DEA agent and his marriage is a mess. He can only meet on Saturday. Would you meet him at your office on Saturday? And I meet him at 10 o'clock uh, on a Saturday. And he gets there typical of these guys really early driving around, and he says something to me that sounds like a negative, but he said, do you realize this is the softest target I've ever seen? And I said, what does that mean? He said, somebody could come here and shoot. You're three quarters of a mile from, from 595. We'd never know where he went. East on 595, north on the Sawgrass, west on 75 to Naples, south on 75. And so I'm processing that, and I realized, but let me, let me, I didn't say this to him, but I said this to myself, we're at the center of everything. People can come out on, on 595 from, from Fort Lauderdale, they come up from Miami constantly for counseling. We even have two couples now coming across from Naples, down the Sawgrass from Palm Beach County. How did you do this? And for less money than the 27 acres? Yeah, but I think there are times in life where we not only think we know what God's doing, we'd like to advise him. The disciples were advising Jesus. Stop talking about you're going to die. You're going to take over. And by the way, can, I be on, can, can we be vice presidents when you take over? Yeah, they, they're, they're basically advising. And I think sometimes we get way out front. Ooh. And unfortunately, and I'm, I've been working on it, my temperament is when they come at me to come back. And we were, uh, I, I don't, it's been a long time. Somebody came at me about something and um, Rosemary's standing next to me and I feel her reach for my hand either so that I don't take him out or to wake, wake me up. And it's like, Bob, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I don't need you. And your quick, sarcastic responses, I don't need you. That's good. Forgive them. You know, we're at a low point in a Bible study where lawyers are teaching. Uh, it's, it's a, a father, father, forgive me, I know not what I do. Yes. Number three, be quiet. Number three, they had heard the statements of the, of the man called Jesus, but now they saw the power of Jesus, the Son of God. The power. So, I don't know again what that refers to. Does that refer to all of a sudden it's dark at noon? Does that refer to an earthquake? Does that refer to the temple ripping? Does that refer to dead people coming out of the graves? And those are, you know, those are just the things written about, not all the other things taking place. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, if everything Jesus did was written down, none of the books in the world could hold them. The many, 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 many. But I will say this too. I think he does things in our lives every day. And I've said this before. The staff was enjoying, Sharon, our staff was enjoying talking about Miracle of the Month. And we would start, we, we meet every Monday morning at 9 o'clock for staff devotions. And they know the first Monday of every month, I want to know the miracle you saw and, and what was the miracle you saw. And then, uh, and they started 
competing. It was hilarious. And, and I realized they're looking. They're looking. And you know the one of a single mom who is 12-year-old, and he's a tall 12-year-old. His bike got stolen. And um, she came, do you have any bikes? And all we had was a little kid bike. And I said, this is, this is it. She says, yeah, but it's a bike. I'll take it. And the nightmare of getting it into her little car. And we got it into her little car. And that afternoon donated a awesome, unbelievable bike that he was using to enter into these bike races and called her and said, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm betting it's a $2,000 bike. And we call her and we say, and one of the staff members said, we need to put this in the auction. And I said, I don't think so. Um, Jesus can give us $2,000 any second. Uh, so we called and said, we have a bike. Uh, we want to swap. It's a bigger bike. She said, oh, can I come get it? And, and I said, no, two of the staff's going to bring it over to you. We couldn't get it in your car. It's a really big bike. And her little note, 24 hours later, she got a bike. I'm convinced he does that all around us all the time. But we're so busy with our own agenda. Yeah, but now they saw the power of Jesus, the Son of God. He's got you. He wants to use you. He wants you to tell the story. Let me show you. Let me tell you what happened today. It's happening. It's happening. John 3:10, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, "You're a respected Jewish teacher, and you don't understand these meanings." Remember Nicodemus, he came to him in the night. <laughs> Nick at night, right. Nick at, can I use that and not give you credit? Nick at night, yeah. He came and, and uh, kind of hiding, and, and uh, Jesus said, you must be born again. And he says, what does that mean? And he gives this explanation. And Jesus isn't, isn't taking him down. Jesus is saying, you're so hemmed in. You're a respected leader. You know, you know the law, the Old Testament, and you don't understand born again, starting over. Really? Starting completely over, cleansed again? Yeah, unfortunately, number four, my limited understanding of the power and ways of God can often serve to limit my actual faith in God. My actual faith in God. What is, anybody have an example of that? My limited understanding. And, and I will help you a little bit from my perspective. Having had the privilege... <clears throat> of being in the same place for 45 years when I finally realized I don't know how to find the money. And the first thing I did my first year back in 1974 was a really dumb thing. We were 90% funded by government funding. And because I came for the government, from the government, I knew that was wrong. And I made a statement I didn't believe. If God wants us here, he'll take care of us here. And I dropped all government funding. And they came back the next year to ask, it was an LEAA grant, do you, do you want the money back? And I almost said, give me a day to think about this. Realizing, because Jesus strung us out for eight years. It was a disaster financially. And he was waiting for me to realize, I'll never take United Way, I'll never take government funding, just to be there. And then it started happening. But I was slow to learn the power of God. And it's very fun for me, because we, like, we, we hire basically two different career paths coming to us, people with mas at least a master's degree in counseling and people out of the business world. Um, and I'll never forget going to the first one, Bob Geisinger, he was vice president of Cobalt Advertising and um, he was on the board and uh, I, uh, I, I, they, Sheridan House knew we need a businessman here, Bob's not a businessman, he glazes over during the finance report. Uh, can we just get done with this? 
And so uh, they made the statement, we need in church world, we need an executive pastor in our world, a vice president. And uh, so somebody said, uh, uh, you know, Bob Geislinger, who was chairman of the board, he'd be great. And I said, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And I think I was making 60 a year then. And I said, it'll take another 60 a year. And he probably makes twice that. And he's just kind of looking around the room terrified. And honestly, I said, we can't afford it. And one of the men in the room said, I'll cover it. Because I don't think it's a money thing. I think it's a control thing. And everybody's laughing. And I realized he was a little bit right. But we're kind of not making it now. He walks out and has a heart attack. And I showed up at the room when I realized that he was okay. I waited till he was okay. And uh, then I said, see what happens when you don't listen to Jesus. Yeah, and he, he said, don't make me laugh. I'm just stitched up, and she's dying laughing, Pam's dying. But the bottom line, he changed Sheridan House. He was there for 10 years. It's all him. And watching that, we've got to get to the place, yeah, where we, we're out for Jesus. We come out for Jesus, and we, we know it's Jesus. And here's what happens in ministries when people crash. They start taking the credit for the success of the ministry. And when you take the credit for the success of ministry, there's another word that creeps in. I deserve. I deserve. I deserve her. I deserve to drive that. And I love R.C. Sproul. It spoke holiness of God. You don't want what you deserve. You deserve hell. That's all I deserve but for Jesus. And it's the same in your world when all of a sudden I'm successful because of me. Because of me. And that's a very, very important to keep people around you that will keep you there rather than yes men. So when we were moving off the old property 15, oh, I don't know how many years ago, it doesn't matter, I think it was 15 years ago, and I came to the board of directors and said, let's not sell the old property. Instead, I want to turn it into a detox center. It was at a board meeting. And I said, and here's how we're going to do it. And I had this great presentation at detox center. And Sam Forster was on the board, and he said, have you ever worked in detox? And I said, No. And somebody else said, so you, basically, you want us to give up a $5 million piece of property so you can try to do something you've never done before. And Arvin Albany says, I move, we sell the property, and we give, uh, uh, we set aside a tithe, 500000 for Bob um, to uh, rent something and see if he can do detox. And uh, I said, you know what, stop. You're 100% right. I don't know what I was thinking. And I had a very, very sweet lady that some of you know, I know Hugh knows, on the board at that time named Lynn Hunter. And Lynn came, came walking down the hallway, Fred Hunter, funeral home's wife, walking down the hallway and said, I don't, I don't want to be on the board anymore. And I said, why? She said, they were mean to you in there. I said, Lynn, I think they rescued Bob in there. I kind of have this little subliminal life verse, I can do all things through me who strengthens me. Yeah, you have to have people that will speak into you. Sometimes we have no idea what God's doing. None. No idea. Yeah. Number five, there comes a point in everyone's life, even in the life of a believer, when we must declare unashamedly that we trust Jesus. We trust Jesus. Until then, we're on our own with our divided faith. You can be a Christian. And not trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and wonder why is it not working right now? You can be a Christian and totally, totally trusting God 
I wonder why is it not working now. The whole deal is I trust you, not outcomes. I trust you, not circumstances. I trust you, not jobs. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Matthew 10, 32, if anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father in heaven. Wow, I mean, what does that mean, Lord? Exactly what I said. If I came down and put on skin and then hung naked, creator of the universe, hung naked on the cross for you, Bob, and you don't speak up for me? Are we kidding? You don't look for opportunities to share me? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Number six, my faith cannot be in a man or circumstances. My faith must be in God, regardless of men and circumstances. Why? Because people will let you down. People will let you down. People will let you down. Saddened me how many people initially left Calvary Chapel when Bob went down. Saddened me. And how, how many females left. We will, people will let us down. I let me down. People will let us down. It's a faith in God and a love, love, but don't look up to. Love, but don't look up to. How can I serve you today needs to be my motto. Yeah, yeah, my faith cannot be in a man or in circumstances. I'll be good if you do this, Lord. I'll get it. I'll really trust you. If, oh, Bob. And the, and the depression I went into, the hole that I went into, and then we lost the 27 acres and parked out in front of that field and asked, what are you doing? And I had, a, I had on a wall a four-foot by seven-foot rendering of what the property needed to look like. And it's ironic because it went like this. And uh, uh, the architect said, I know you want it like this, but you're never going to get frontage like that. You need to do it like this. We have a quarter mile of frontage of Sheridan House on a six-lane. And the number of people that drive by and look and end up driving in after they've driven by several times. What is this? Can I get a tour of this? The, the wife of the, of the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Of course, until they win more games, I said she can't come for a tour, but wanted to come for a tour. Yeah. Regardless of men and circumstances. Number seven, faith is rewarded by signs from the hand of God. But it's God, not signs, that you have to choose to trust. It's, it's amazing how signs can get in the way. How the blessings of God can get in the way. How the, the things God lets you do can get in the way. It's, I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. It's amazing to me how many guys have been blessed by God to build a big church and then go do church growth seminars. Jesus. Show up, say Jesus, go sit down. Yeah. When, uh, when, when Billingsley asked me to go to a, uh, uh, he wanted me to hear E.V. E. Hill speak in Tampa, had a um, pastor's conference, a couple thousand pastors. And uh, the first speaker was late, and they saw Billingsley sitting there, and the, the guy in charge of the conference said, we, we need about 15 minutes. Can you just go up in the podium and tell them how to build a big church? And uh, this was so not Billingsley. Billingsley had a 2,000 rule. Every time he got to 2,000, he planted a church. Another 2,000 planted a church. Planted 29 churches here in South Florida. And I, you knew when he'd say, Sunday night, if you live in Weston, sit in, the, in this section. And we all knew, oh, these people are goners. He's kicking them out. 
and he'd, he'd send him out to Weston, and he'd do the service at 9 o'clock and race back to Sheridan Hills to do the 11 o'clock 29 times. It's amazing. And some of those churches today have thousands in them. Um, but he looked at the guy, and he stepped into the podium, and he said, gentlemen, my name is Bill Billings. And they, know who he was. they all know who he was. And they've been asked, uh, what is the, the key factor to build a big church? And he said, take care of your wife. That's it. He stepped down. And they're in shock. Then they're on their feet applauding. Some are crying. My church needs me to work hard, but it doesn't need me to grow it. My ministry, my life, my whatever it is, I need to work hard, but I need to go home. I need to go home. For those that are married, I need to go home. I need to go home. My self-esteem cannot come from what I do. My self-esteem needs to come. For those of you that are married, husbands, love your wives. And I'm going to put a word in there. Only as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Need to go home. Yeah, so the question for today is the last slide. This is the sign you have been looking for. As you go out there today, can I see you, Lord? Just your hand. Can I see an opportunity to say a kind word, regardless of the response? And if you're kind in South Florida, you're weird. This is in North Carolina where people are nice. Phony, but nice. This here? <laughs> this here? To be nice? Till eventually my next door neighbor wants to come to church with me? Whatever it is. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice that he made us a day and be glad in it.